Gospel of the Lord. Would you please be seated? Thanks, guys. Awesome job. One of the most exciting things for all the young people in the church is that they get to stay in for the sermon today. How exciting is that? But I need your a little bit of help through this. So I'm wondering if any of the young people have parents or a parent who thinks or they might be an expert in something. Yeah, what's your parent an expert in? Yes. An expert in? In law. Oh, excellent. Yes. Any other experts in your family? You got another one, Cooper? Yep. Your grandma's an expert in hairdressing. Yeah. Yeah. What about over here? Expert in? Teeth. Excellent. There's a few experts in the room. Anybody got a parent who thinks they're an expert but they're not really an expert? Well, yeah, I'm one of those parents. Um, you see, I thought I was an expert in explaining God and explaining the Bible to people, particularly children and young people. And I do a lot of baptisms on Sundays after this uh, time slot of the service. And normally I'll say to people, I'll explain what we're doing in the baptism. And then I'll say, at the end of the service, if you've got any questions, come up and see me. Last week, I had a young lady, probably a little bit younger than year five or six, maybe year three or four, and she came up to me and she asked me a really, really good question. She said, can you please explain to me why there are no dinosaurs in the creation story? So I thought for a while... I said a quick prayer to God, what will I say here that's age-appropriate, that, that's well illustrated and articulated, that she understands, and out of my mouth came this explanation, and at the end of the explanation, I thought, yeah, that was pretty good, and I, I took a glance at her mum, and there was this sense of relief on a mother's face, finally somebody's answered this question that I couldn't answer, and I looked back at this young lady, and she said, that did not make any sense at all. <laughs> so I'm a little bit shell-shocked after that experience. And so Jesus today is trying to help us to understand how we should love our enemies. So instead of me trying to do all the work, I've gone to a much higher power and I've asked the Simpsons how to interpret this passage. Well, no way I'm giving a valentine to Nelson. He's a bully and I do not love him. Jesus says to love your enemies. That's because Jesus knows one day he gets to look his enemies in the eye and say, it was me who sent you to hell. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't think Matt Groening went to the same theological college that I went to, so I might not quite have that right. And as funny as that might seem... It actually makes no sense at all. When you look at the way that Jesus lived and treated people, Jesus had some pretty important things to say about how we should treat our enemies. The problem is that I don't think we listen to his advice very often, if ever at all, because we've always got an excuse like, 
they started it. It's their fault. And loving my enemies doesn't mean I have to like them. You see, loving our enemies is not comfortable and it's not easy. I think there's two kinds of enemies. There's those people that we personally know and that we just do not really like at all. And then there's those people, those countries, those groups, those other religions that are supposedly out to get us and do us harm. And we're told that they should be our enemies. But when we look at the life of Jesus, when we read the words that he said, it's pretty clear to me that Jesus didn't want us to live with hate or in fear. Loving our enemies isn't complicated at all. It's just hard. And what we need to do is we need to look at the way that God loves us, the way that Jesus lived his life, and what Jesus said about how we should live our lives with others. And in our church, we call that seeking first. One of the things about loving people that we don't normally like or groups of people that we think are dangerous is we don't know where to start. I heard a really, really good um, comment the other day where an author, a well-known Christian author said, all we need to do is just do the next good thing that you know how to do. That's the best place to start. And we're not always going to get it right, but the good thing is that we can come to God when we get it wrong and say sorry and we can start again and then do the next good thing that we know how to do next. And in our church, we call that grace. And if we can start to live like this, then we do find hope. And we bring joy to those around us. Now, I know all saints have a particular theme for the year. Anybody know what the theme for the year is? Joy. So one of the ways of developing joy is to be lovely to those who aren't lovely to us and do the next good thing that we know how to do. My prayer is that we might do our very best to love all of those around us. Because at the end of the day, it's pretty hard to, say, to stay mad at someone if they're bringing you joy. Amen. Was that short enough? <laughs>